This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries. Wherever you are around the world today, it's great you can be here with us. Today I'm going to give a message that I've called radical releasing. What's the word radical mean? Radical means to go back to the very beginning point. We often think it means to be wild and it isn't necessarily that. But it means to go back to the beginning point or if we can't go back to that place is to declare a new beginning as the radical place, the new place that we're starting from. And the scriptures call us to be people that radically release others to their destiny and their future. And we need that in our own lives as well. We need other people to release us. And I'm going to let the Scriptures talk today because the Scriptures speak very clearly to this. We're going to read a passage of Scripture, a fairly long passage of Scripture, and then I'll come back and I'll go through it a little bit at a time. And this is the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead by Jesus. I think you'll be very blessed by today. So let's go straight to the Scripture. We're going to read from John's Gospel, chapter 11, and it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, uh, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, him who you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, rather it's for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Jesus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now Jesus says to his uh, apostles, he said, I'm going to Judea. And they try to prevent him from going because it had only been just before this story that people had tried to kill Jesus. And yet he's going to go back to the very place where this has occurred. And he says to them in verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be all right. And Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. The apostles were so convinced that Jesus, if he went back there, would be killed. Thomas has this fatalist view. Well, let us go back that we may die with him as well. And when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to him, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. 
And when she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out and they followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he open the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he'd said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. This is a fantastic passage of scripture. And my prayer is that you allow this passage to really speak to you. Mary and Martha are the, are the sisters of uh, Lazarus. Lazarus is someone that the scriptures tell us that Jesus loved. Lazarus was a very common name. For about 500 years, it was, the, it was the, the fourth most common name that was used for, um, in, in the Middle East. And Lazarus means God has helped. Lazarus means God has helped. And so the sisters summon Jesus to tell him that Lazarus has become ill. And they thought that Jesus would do something, that Jesus would turn up, that Jesus would heal him because especially that Lazarus was his friend. And when Jesus hears that he's ill, in verse four, he says this, this illness does not lead to death, rather it's for God's glory, so that the Son of Man, or Son of God, may be glorified through it. Now, it's interesting that when God delays in our lives, it's often a sign, as my wife Rosemary says to me, that God is up to something. So when God says no or God delays, it's often because God is up to something in our life. So it's immediately Jesus indicates that this illness is going to be for a greater purpose. And it says in verse 5, accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus, having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now it starts and it says accordingly. According means consequently, appropriately. It, it, it means that because he had heard this news about Lazarus ill, he went, oh, because of that, I think I'll wait two more days. This, this, that was his response. And so consequently, this man that he loved, he, leaves him, he left him to be alone. Now, if, you, if someone was ill and you could do something about it, can I ask you this question? 
wouldn't you go straight away? Wouldn't you take off straight away to do what you could do if there was someone that you loved? You'd take off or you'd go straight away. But not Jesus, he waits because Jesus has another plan. After two days, Jesus tells his disciples that Lazarus has died. But they don't understand that. They, don't, they, they initially think he's just having a sleep. And so Jesus tells them he's dead and I'm going to wake him up. In verse 15, he says, For your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And it's interesting because this goes back to verse 4 where Jesus said, This illness doesn't lead to death, rather it's for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so it's very clear that Jesus has a plan. And and in our own lives, so often when Jesus is at work, when God is at work, strange things happen. Delays occur. God doesn't turn up on our timetable, but God is always at work in our life. Uh, there's, clearly, uh, there's clearly a purpose. Now, Jesus is clearly stressed. He's clearly stressed in the midst of this. Um, and, uh, but when Jesus does arise, uh, arrive, he goes there, it's four days have gone by. Now, according to popular Jewish belief, um, the spirit of a person left a person at the end of three days. So here we are on the fourth day. And and so in popular Jewish belief, Lazarus is dead, dead. He's just not physically dead, but his spirit has left his body. And so so Jesus wakes till he's unambiguously dead. I wonder if that was his reason, so that he would be glorified, that God would be glorified even more. Well, Martha goes to him because before even Jesus has got into, into town, into Bethany, She goes to him and in verse 20, it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him uh, while Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. She turns and she says, it's clear she doesn't understand. If you'd come, if you'd turned up when we'd called, you could have healed him. And you know why you could have healed him? Because we know what you do. We've seen these miracles that you perform. We know that you've raised the dead. We know that you've multiplied food when there hasn't been many. We know what you've done. You could have come and saved him. And then, then she goes back and she calls Mary. Martha leaves and says, Mary, the teacher's calling you. And in verse 32, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and she said to him exactly the same words Luke has her saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary goes to Jesus and, 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 he, just, and he doesn't do anything at that point in time. And we just, it says in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. Now it was suggested, it was suggested by some theologians that maybe Jesus was deeply uh, disturbed because he was aware that in helping Lazarus and, and, and he knew what he was going to do, helping him to rise from the dead or making him rise from the dead, that he would get persecuted for this, that ultimately it would lead to people wanting 
to kill him, which is exactly what it did. And, you know, and so and they knew there was trouble. And this is where we see Thomas in verse 16. He says, Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we might die with him as well. Jesus was well aware. They were well aware of what could happen. Um, and then he says something to them that's very strange. In verse 34, he says, where have you laid him? And they said to him, well, Lord, come and see. Um, and, and, then, and the reason I say that this is an interesting question or a strange question is, do we think that Jesus, who'd, who'd done all kinds of miracles, didn't know and had to ask where the tomb of Lazarus was? Do we think that Jesus, who'd done all kinds of miracles, um, didn't know and had to ask where the tomb of Jesus was? Why would he be doing that? Why would he ask? Didn't Jesus know everything? And when we look at Jesus, when he went into the house of the, of the person, of the woman who washed his hair, and, and uh, the, one, one of the Pharisees there thinks, gee, if only Jesus knew who this person was, that she's a prostitute. And Jesus, nothing was said, and Jesus knows what they're thinking, what the man was thinking. And yet he couldn't figure out where the tomb was. He had to ask. And so they take him to the tomb and, and Jesus breaks down in verse 35 and it says, and he weeps there. And then in verse 39, he says something strange again. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, there's a stench. Already there's a stench because he's been dead for four days. So Jesus again doesn't do what he could do himself. And, and you know, here's the thought. Jesus could not find the tomb and had to ask for directions. And now he has to ask someone to move the stone. Here's Jesus who'd cured thousands of people. Here's Jesus who had cured the blind and others. He couldn't just move a rock. He, he couldn't. Um, and everybody objects saying, listen, there'll be a smell right now. There'll be a stench right now. Uh, everybody objects. And yet, and yet uh, don't do it, Jesus. And Martha says, don't worry. She says to Jesus, don't worry. It's interesting, this morning I sent a message to someone and I finished the message with, uh, I needed some help with something uh, that I didn't know how to do. And I, and they, I thought they might be busy, so I, I put a message on it, don't worry if, if you're busy. You know? That's exactly what Martha says, you know, I don't want to put you out, don't worry. And Jesus says to her in verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? What Jesus is saying is, what Jesus is saying is there's a greater purpose here. Something else is happening. Something else is happening. Um, and and, and he, he says to her, just, just watch, wait, look. And Jesus then prays a prayer to his father. And in verse, and in verse 43, we he then says something also that happens to be a little strange. And when he'd said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. So he's wrapped in cloth. Now this is different cloth than the, the Egyptian mummies that we're familiar with where they wrap them around. 
This had a body cloth and a head cloth. And, and often when people died, they tied down the limbs because in death they, they moved. Um, and, and, and then he turns to them and he says to them, unbind him. You know, what, Je- what Jesus could not blow away the bandages of Lazarus and had to ask for help. What's happening here? Consistently, Jesus is asking, Jesus is doing these miraculous things, but all along he's turning to people. So on three occasions, Jesus asked for help. Where have you laid him? Take away the stone, unbind him and let him go. Jesus could have done all of those things. We know that, you know, we know that Jesus has done amazing things and yet he asked for help. What's happening? And here's the principle that we see in the scriptures all over, that we read in the lives of the saints, we hear in the lives of holy men and women through history, that Jesus uses to set people, uh, uses people to set others free. Jesus chooses to use people to set others free. That you have, you have power to set people free. You have power to change people's lives. That there seems to be a cooperation between the divine and the human when releasing people to their destiny. There seems to be a cooperation that takes place between God and human beings. God comes down, human beings connect. That this connection is what God uses to bring healing. Um, See, God raises people from the dead but God gives people the task of releasing them. That we are set free, but often people are not released because they need people to help them release them. Uh, Jesus could have known where Lazarus was lying and could have gone just there. Jesus could have rolled away the stone. Jesus could have just blown away the bandages, but he didn't. But every time, what did he do? He used a human being. He used a person just like you to change the destiny of someone who was in need every time. To release means to set free. In our lives, think about those areas where you are captive. Think about things that have been done to you and said to you through your life. Areas of your life where you hurt, where you keep private, where you don't share with others. And sometimes all it takes is the loving word, loving action, the loving care of someone else that changes us. It it takes someone else to believe in us. One of my daughters years ago bought bought a guitar and she for a long time ordered this guitar. It had to come from another country. And she wanted it for a long time when she was a teenager. And this guitar, if you saw it, was, was in, in the shape of a heart and it was bright pink. It was a real, it, it was different. And when she got it, she used to be in a music group. And she actually used to be in a church music group. And when she turned up, she was very excited because I remember the day it came in the box and she unpacked it. And she waited a few days to turn up at this church music group um, to, uh, to, to, to play it. She was so excited to show people. 
Well, when she got there, when she got there, what I didn't know until later on, because when she came home, she was just in absolute tears. And this brand new guitar, she just threw it aside. And she never, ever played it again, ever. Because when she got there, what happened was a couple of older guys, men, made fun of her because they thought this guitar was, well, silly, shaped in a heart, bright pink. Now, should she have been strong enough to not worry about them because ultimately I know some people looked into it because people got so upset for her and they said, oh, we were just mucking around. We were just having fun. We were just teasing. But have you ever noticed that sometimes we can bind people by our words? That sometimes things can be done to us that change us? That abuse in its many forms can cripple us. And sometimes it takes words and care to release people from things that have been done. So how do we radically, how do we radically release people? There's two major ways that we do it. It's by the words we speak. We radically release people by the words we speak. We speak. Because we can choose to either speak into their lives life words or we can speak death words. Scripture is very clear that it's in the power of the tongue that will give life or death. These young men who teased my daughter Adrian and, you know, and told her that the guitar that she had was silly, and it wasn't, it was, a, it, it was perfectly okay, and they only meant in fun, they, not, they were not trying to be cruel, they were just having fun. What happened was they spoke death words to her. I was, only thinking, I was only thinking yesterday with a couple of my own children, things I've said to them through the years, things I've said, you know, have I spoken yes words to them? Have I seen the potential in them? Have I built them up? Have I shouted out encouragement to them? Because when we do, we change people's lives, you know. Do you know people who are trying to diet? What could you do? What could you say that would encourage them? Uh, have you know people who are working very hard to achieve something and sometimes getting a bit tired? What could you say to them to build them up, to get them across the line of success? Um, they, the, the scriptures tell us in, in Proverbs 26, 16, it's not on the screen, it says like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows in, and death is the man who de deceives his neighbour and says, I'm only joking. See, one of the things that we can do in our lives is to eliminate negative humour. Not fun humour, but negative humour. Humour that tears down and diminishes someone. See, our words have the ability to release people from where they are in their life. There's an, the other, uh, and, and then finally, um, our words, it's the area of gossip. Have you ever noticed that gossip in the scriptures, that gossip in the scriptures is listed alongside murder? Because what's gossip? Gossip is just killing something, killing someone by the things you say. Think about the things that have been said to you through your life.
things that diminish you. You know, we can say that sticks and stones will break my bones, but no, 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 stick. You know, words said to us break our heart. Words said to us break our heart, you know. When we gossip about other people's business, that's not our own. When, when, we, uh, when we bind and we strip people of dignity and we take away from them, you know, our words can hunt down and they can destroy and, 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 people, and people who do things that are wrong. We don't have to tell everybody that they've done something wrong. The whole gossip industry that we see in our world, on our television sets, in magazines, it's not Christian. It's not how Christ would call us to be. Gossip is so easy, so attractive, and yet it is sin because it destroys. And many of us, through what we read and what we watch, that gossips about someone else participate in the destruction of other individuals. And we have, we have the responsibility to set people free. And so I know here in our ministry, there are some people who've just chosen not to read and not to look at gossip material. It's hard. I was only having lunch with someone here yesterday and said it's hard not to, and it really is at times. But to do so is to kill but to kill with our words. And when we deny that, when we say no to that to people, we can set people free. We can set them free. The second area that we can, we can set someone uh, free is by our actions, by our actions, by our actions. It's the second way. Do you give people opportunity to do things? Do you let your children have a go when you could do it so much better and so much quicker? Uh, do you discriminate with people because of age or their nationality or their, or, or their, or, or their experience? Uh, do you let people have a go? Uh, do you stand firm for people when they've given up and tell them that they can? Um, do you fight for both the weak and the physically strong? Do you fight for the weak in, 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 in muscle and power? And do you fight for the people who are weak of spirit? See, the scriptures are very clear. Jesus is very clear that in our lives, things do bind us. In our lives, things do kill us. In, many, in much of our world today, there are already people who are dead but still walking because of the impact of society, because of the impact of what people are doing. But you and I, we're called to be Christians. We're called to help people rise to new life. Now, Jesus sets us free from sin. Jesus heals us. And then He looks to us who are parents, who are friends, and he looks to us and he says, you release the people around you. You tell them what they can be. You treat them with dignity. You treat them with respect. You build them up. That's who we're called to be. That's what an impactor is. An impactor is someone who impacts someone's life by the culture and the environment 
and the vibe that they create all over them. What would happen if you decided today that the people you work with, whether they be older or younger, maybe you're in your leadership position, the people that you lead, if you're in a management position, the people that you look after, what would happen if you decided I'm going to be someone that releases them to the destiny that God has called them to, to do. You can do that if you decide to build them up, to change the world by your action. Because for many people that you love and many people that are close to you, you have the power to release them to be all that God has called them to be. Your decision, the ball's in your court, you get the chance to be the Christian, to be the one who participates with Jesus in helping someone be who Jesus created them to be. Loving Father, we thank You today that You love us. And we ask, Father, right now, in the Name of Jesus, through the power of Your Holy Spirit, that You would work on our heart, that we could truly be impactors, that we could be people that release people to a new destiny and to their destiny. That's the culture we want. That's the culture of the person we seek to be. That's the culture of this ministry and this community. Father, be with us today. And Father, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the things that I've loved about this ministry and what we do here and what all of you help us do is we receive emails all of the time and letters all of the time about how people have been set free to go to new levels in their life, whether it be in their marriages, in their careers, starting new things. That's exactly what the spirit of this message is. It's about helping people be released to where God has called them to be. Well, one of the ways that we can do that is because of this commitment that so many of you have made to financially support the ministry and to help us reach more and more and more people through the media and through all the ways we do that, through events, etc. To all of our Faith Builder partners, the people who give every month, I want to say thank you to you. We couldn't do this without you. And so many people from countries all over the world, I'm so abundantly grateful uh, to do that. To those who give from time to time, I want to say thank you to you. What you're doing is you're setting people free. And I want to encourage you today that you would stand with us and be someone who is a radical releaser. Release someone to the destiny that God has for them. That's exactly what we're doing today. And I would love to be able to send you the book, Start Strong. To everybody who contributes today and ticks the box in it, I would love to be able to send this to you as my gift to say thank you for what you've contributed. So why don't you go to this address on the screen or go to... Uh, the gift tab and I pray that you know in your heart that you are radically releasing people to the resurrection that Jesus has brought everyone to. Loving Father, we thank you today that you do call us to be those radical releases. Help us to change the world, those we love and those, Lord God, in our life and in our world. And Father, we make this prayer in Jesus' name through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to say thank you to everybody who's been with us today. I pray wherever you are that you are blessed and I pray that you would leave here right now and that you would think of people in your own life, whether it be your spouse, a family member, someone you work with or just a friend that you can write a note to, that you can give a call to, that you can encourage 
to release them to who God has called them to be. Hey, thanks for being with us. See you next time. And don't forget, wherever you are, God is never far from you. This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries.